Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Bucks of America podcast here. Tonight, I have a very special guest here. John John Dove. John Dove. Or Johnny Dove as he goes by on his uh, any conversation you have with a gentleman here. So we've been talking for several weeks now, and Brian has been a big proponent of you getting you on here because he, he says you've got a bunch of stuff you want to talk about, some impressions, stuff you've gone through. And Brian we're referring to is Brian Austin from the Beast Miller Archery Challenge that's going to be here in La Crosse, Wisconsin this weekend. Uh, so by the time you guys listen to it, this the uh, the event will already have happened. So thank you, though, for those who did turn out for the event. So Johnny, or John, do you want to go by Johnny or John? You can call me either or. Okay. Brian, so- Brian calls me Johnny Love all the time, so... Um, you know, you can call me John, Johnny Love. Fair enough. So, John, you were explaining to me here just a few moments ago about how your life has changed since you've met Brian. Uh, that's right, Jeff. You know, back in 2000... You can back the mic up just oh, Sorry. That's all right. Back in 2017, um, you know, I guess to even back up before that, uh-huh. I'd been, I, I would say, an athletic person. Uh, back in the day, ran some marathons, things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, got out of that. Just, I guess I probably got bored of of doing that. And okay. it was such a loner sport. Um, unfortunately, what ended up happening is I probably started hanging around with a different group of people, started drinking too much, different things like that. Stuff okay. that I'm not necessarily proud of. And... It just so happened that the archery club that I belonged to, uh, Blackhawk Bow Hunters in Verona, Brian was a member, and he started what was called his hunter fitness class. Okay. Um, so in April 2018, I decided, you know what, what the heck, I'll join and, and check it out. I'd love to shoot my bow, spend my time at the archery range, uh, and, you know, I wanted to stay fit. And the combination of the two, it just it sparked my interest. So, you know, that year, joined up with Brian um, and real quickly realized that I was with what I would say a a special group of people and realized real quickly that, you know, it wasn't about being the fittest person, uh, the toughest person, Mm -hmm. things like that. Uh, It was just about getting out, the camaraderie, having fun um, and doing the things that we love you know, trying to at least stay somewhat fit uh, as well as enjoy being in the outdoors and and shooting our bow. Mm -hmm. So, you know, started that back in 2018 with Brian and just immediately fell in love with the, the whole thought process behind what Brian now calls the Beast Mode Challenge. Uh, Back then we were training for what Brian was associated with then was the train to hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I remember 2018 going to my first train to hunt event and I was, I was so excited and so pumped uh, here in Northern Wisconsin. And once you know it, the day turned out, it was the hottest day of the year. <laughs> and unbeknownst to me, I was stuck down in a hole, basically waiting for my heat to come and uh, started going through the the challenges. Heat started starting doing all those things. And I actually was overcome with heat exhaustion. Oh, and, uh, you know, my first attempt at this, I didn't finish. Um, you know what, though? I didn't, I didn't hang my head and, and pout and walk away from it. Uh, I guess I took it as another challenge that, you know what, hey, I want to finish these things. And the nice thing was is the group of people that I was with, our team, they, if it wasn't for them, I mean, they really picked me up, uh, kept me going. And, uh, you know, we we got back, started training and, and doing those things. So uh, that's how it all really started. Um but I quickly realized that, you know, how important the whole fitness aspect of things was, j- just even from the hunting standpoint. Okay. Um, I'd never 
in my life uh, I attempted to go out and do any kind of backcountry hunt or anything like that. And I'm hanging around with this group of people that constantly talking about, oh, we're going to Idaho to go elk hunting this year or this fall. We're, we're going to Colorado where there was a couple of guys going to Montana. So I just got the harebrained idea that, you know what, I feel like I'm in shape now. I've been doing this. Uh, I'm learning some of these things as far as uh, how to pack and uh, I mean, just carry a pack on your back uh, with weight and, and stuff like that. So I went out and bought myself an over-the-counter mule deer tag okay. in South Dakota. Fun. Now, was this also was this part of the elk hunt you went on? This is, No, this is the year before the elk hunt. Okay. So this one I did completely on my own. I uh, just decided to pick a weekend, um, went out, looked for some public land, you know, did some e-scouting okay. and drove 12 hours out into the middle of nowhere and, and hiked in. Now, granted, I only hiked in maybe a mile, set up camp. I was out there by myself and okay. and spent five days out in basically the Badlands, South Dakota. And, you know, anybody that thinks that those little short steep hills aren't something to try to get up and down you know, especially having a pack on your back and stuff like that, go out and try it. Uh, if it wouldn't have been for participating in Brian's hunter fitness class, I there's no way I would have, uh, you know, been able to to do that. I really, I really believe that. Went out, I had an absolute blast. Camp, camped out there by myself. Uh, had a couple of stalks each day. Uh, yes, I missed two two bucks. <laughs> At least you got close enough to do it with your first time out there and only e-scouting too. And that's so true. It, that was the the pure excitement about it that, uh, you know, the first morning uh-huh. out there and sitting, and I, I saw what, seven different bucks, I think that wow. first morning fantastic. Uh, ended up getting on two stocks. Uh, and, and it was just a thrill. It was just a thrill. And, you know, I, again, I think that being a part of this group and this, this fitness group was the reason that I, I had the strength and the mental fortitude to, to just go out and do it. That's great. That's yeah. great to hear. So we did that. I know when I started taking my hunting series here a few, uh, back in 2015, it's like going out on my own. It's like, luckily for me, it's like, I didn't, I, I had... 1200 acres to hunt on in minnesota that's a lot of land to work and so it's like i'd spend days out there in in uh well starting in april in april looking at trails looking at how the movement was and then also looking for sheds of course and then moving into july and august and paying attention to where all the movements are learning what the cattle do and such because at that time i didn't put uh, like i've been hunting the property since 2012 but i didn't put that kind of energy into it until 2015 because that's when I got into archery. And so I wanted to take the advantage of the season of archery that Minnesota offers to my full extent because the people that I group hunt with only hunt late season shotguns. So I have all of this time sure. to get out there before they do. And it's the other people, they just like they've been hunting the property for like twenty some odd years. And it's like so it's like it's for my first time to really get out there. But the hills are very, very steep. It's it's part it's it's like the tail end of the driftless area there in Chatfield, Minnesota. And they're not, it's not easy. It's like, there's luckily for me at the time I was working for a factory and it's like, I did a lot of walking, a lot of lifting. And it's like, so a lot of that aerobics, it's like when I'm out there and like, I'm listening to everybody huff and puff. It's like, I'm just like miles ahead. Of everybody else is like, that makes a world of difference. in being able to, to have that constant steps, getting your steps. If you can get 30 to 40,000 steps in a, in, in a period of time, when you do and an event like that, what you did, it makes a world of difference because it's like there's some hills that I climbed like like this year. It's like that's that is a challenge. And it's like for me, it's like I had that that go getting, but I understand like being able to get out there and do that. And I'm glad that you took the advantage of going down there and you got an opportunity to do over the t- over the counter tag. Yeah, that was that was huge. You know, that's one thing I don't think a lot of people realize is the terrain that we actually maybe do have here in the Midwest. 
it, it's not just a flat, you know, level playing field like you would, I guess, think of uh, Nebraska or Kansas or whatever like that. There's there's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of elevation change in a lot of the places, at least that I hunt. Uh, and you know, I can I can say that it is made a lot of difference in where I go. You know how how far how deep I go uh, mm-hmm. today um, with not having concerns about you know how am I going to get that animal out if I actually do get something back there I, I'm confident you know when it comes to that and uh, you know it is it's all because of what Brian's group has done and and the whole concept behind this what we'll say the Beast Mode Challenge mm-hmm. is really but yeah so that was 2018 and then. Uh, 2019 came along and you know i had my goal i need to finish one of these back then trained to hunt event Mm -hmm. and trained and trained and trained we spent a lot of time at tyrell basin that's our our local hangout yeah it doesn't surprise me because during after even the the event i attended in june you guys were back out there again shooting doing all the the uh challenges and such keeping yourself like in top that top peak for performance but then again you went out that fall out west well we, we did the the cool thing was is so i'd never gone on an archery elk hunt or an elk hunt period mm-hmm. um never hunted any place like colorado one of the other gentlemen that participated with us in brian's hunter fitness class yeah. and, and trained to hunt jerry gleisner uh he and i got together and we're like he had never done it either. So, you know what? What the heck? Let's partner up. Let's just uh, go and get an over-the-counter elk tag and uh, go out and see what we can do. Now, where'd you go for your over-the-counter? Did you go to Utah, Colorado, Idaho? We just looked at Colorado Okay. Uh, for, the, for their over-the-counter tag. Um, probably the easiest state, obviously, to, to get a tag like that. But yeah, because they got some of the biggest herds out there. I was listening to... Uh, a back hunter country and anglers podcast just a couple days ago and they were talking about how the how certain how they're approaching the the winter range differently in colorado to maintain that that high count and why colorado is a is a sought after tag yep no that's very true it's it's one of the only states still uh that really you can do that over the counter uh type tag for for elk when it comes to it and you know, given the amount of public land uh, that exists in Colorado, it, it's a perfect opportunity. Now, there comes a downside with that, and that every other person in the world, you know, has the same thought you do yeah. at times. But, uh, you know, here again with what we're going through, what we're training for, the whole goal is that, you know what, maybe we can go a little farther, we can go a little deeper uh, into the backcountry, um, get into places that 90% of most of those other hunters aren't even going to try to get to because they're just not in shape to be able to do it. Yeah, or they're locals and they've been hunting it for years and they kind of have an idea for it. But if you want a nice challenge or a really big bull, like a 300-plus class, you're going to have to go deep. Oh, that's 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 very true, Jeff. You know, you're not going to necessarily find one standing along the side of the road. Uh, that's for sure. And thanks. So yeah, we, uh, made the decision. Let's go for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, picked out a week, um, that we were going to go and did our due diligence, you know, did a quite a bit of e-scouting. I, I spent a lot of time on Onyx, uh, maps, spent a lot of time on Google earth, mm-hmm. trying to identify potential areas where there could be elk as well as, okay. Where are we going to be able to camp? You know, are we going to be able to find water? All those other kinds of things. You know, I thought we did and prepared ourselves quite well. Now, we drove out the first spot that we picked out. Uh, We got in there. We hiked in uh, just about two miles, I guess it was, on, on the first day that we got there. Okay. Spent the rest of that afternoon and the following morning really just hiking around the area and real quickly we determined you know what there there's no fresh elk sign here so here we go pack everything back up and and out we went and went off to plan b okay 
here again, a lot of people, you know, you, you hike in two miles, get camp all set up, and the next day turn around and just pack up and move out. Not a lot of people are going to do that consistently. You know, we felt com- confident and comfortable enough to do it. Moved off to our second uh, second spot, and it was, you know, real quick noticeable that, hey, we found we found the elk. You know, we ended up finding a lot of fresh sign. That's fantastic. You know, and that evening started hearing hearing our first bugles. You know, so oh, that was exciting. that was something amazing because I'd never been out in the wild and actually heard a a bull elk bugle before. So that was pretty cool. That first night, we spent I guess yeah two days hiking hiking around that that second area that we got to. Okay. Um, each day probably five, six miles, I guess, mm-hmm. in and around. Um, you know, one thing I guess to back up, one of the challenges is that uh, Jerry, who I was with, he actually has a heart condition. Okay. And though he's in shape and the guy has a never quit attitude, you know, he's got his limitations, so he's got to watch it. And that that's, I guess, one of the reasons that I felt even comfortable to going going on this hunt because I didn't know exactly how much I was going to be able to take uh, and thinking that we'd have to kind of hold ourselves back a little bit. Up to this point, Jerry had been doing fine. And the one afternoon, or I should say back up, we went out the one morning, um, actually got into two different bulls that though we never saw them, we heard them and, and we knew that they were close. Yeah. You know, I, I know we blew the one, we got winded uh, and things with the thermals, but uh, had a great morning, decided, you know what, let's hike back to camp, let's rest and and let's try to go way up over the top and go back into this one meadow okay. that we, we had found while we were e-scouting. Now the meadow, what, did, what attracted you to, to the meadow? So it, it was just a nice wide open meadow and... On the one side, you had a very thick timbered north facing slope. Okay. So, um, if you do any of your your research, I guess a little bit or, or studying of mm-hmm. elk habitat and things like that, you know, elk are more than likely going to go in bed on a north facing slope during the day because it's going to be cooler and mm-hmm. things and and spend time in that thick timber, and then the hope is they're going to come down into that meadow and feed at night. Makes sense. Uh, so we thought, you know, just it seemed like the perfect situation, the perfect spot. So we took off right after lunch and we had to drive to another location. We got out of our truck and right away, steep six, 800 foot elevation change climb of just, it, it was the steepest part of the country that we had been in up to that point. Okay. And by the time we actually got up to the top, we're, we're like, uh, you know, did we make the right decision here? Because <laughs> we were pretty spent. We were pretty spent. But uh, by the time we got to, back to the meadow, which it was just a little over two miles. Okay. That we had to hike back in there. Um, just a surreal place. You know, we, we stopped, we sat and took a moment to take in the scenery. It's, it's just amazing what is available to us from a public land standpoint out there. Mm-hmm. And to be able to go out and take advantage of that, it, it was something else. So we kind of got back in there. We decided to make a game plan and um, Jerry decided, you know what, I'll set up on one side of this little timber outcropping that came out into the meadow and I'll set up on the other side. I guess I did forget to mention that that we also had one of Brian's good friends, or I'm sorry, one of Jerry's good friends, Brian Schultz, was with us, and he didn't have a tag, but he was just there for the fun of it and mm-hmm. to to try to do some calling for us. And I was wondering how you guys are dividing the, the who's going to be who's going to be calling, who's going to be shooting that whole plan of attack. Now, did you guys have days picked out where you're like, this is my day to shoot, next day is your day to shoot? You know, we had talked about that, but when Brian decided it was, it, he was a last minute decision that, that said, you know what, the heck with it. I'm going to come with you guys. Okay. So once Brian committed to coming with us, it really opened you guys opened up, us up like. to be able to, you know, we both were, 
we're setting up and and allowing Brian to call okay and take advantage of that so each of us every day had our bow in our hands and and could have taken the shot you know at any animal that came in that's fantastic teamwork right there yeah yeah no it, it, I can't thank Brian enough for taking the time to to come out for a week and you know not have a tag and just get out and enjoy it and and spend time out in the woods that's awesome I know for uh my my year just turned over, so it's like I went ahead and I bought myself a, a forty hours, and then I get a nice accrual rate. And like working for the government has some perks, and so I'm trying <laughs> to bankroll as much PTO. So this way, it's like the downside is I can only transfer over so much. But it's like I would like to go to with somebody to South Dakota or North Dakota because it's like that's about the range I can manage sure. and and uh, make it on out make it out there and do a mule deer hunt or do a whitetail hunt in, in early season for the, the uh, chance to get some velvet. But you sure, know, it's sure. like, it would be fun to get out there and uh, do some uh, elk hunting too, just to, just to participate. I have a friend of mine that's, I've been, I think I may have gotten finally convinced to start pointing in for tags for Arizona to get a Buffalo tag. I told him, I was like, if you get one, I'll drop everything for you to come out there. <laughs> and just to, just to be, be part of an American bison hunt. It's just fantastic. This is like, of a, a, a mountain man's dream is to go out there and do right. that, and it's and it's like and it's not an easy task to get to because I've seen how expensive those tags are. And like for some places that are non-residents, like almost five thousand dollars for one tag. It's like wow. Well, that, that, that's where it gets tough these days. Really, truly, when you look at it, sometimes is the the cost of those tags yeah. when I, when you go to look at that kind of a hunt, mm-hmm. um, and then you, you know. It, I guess it almost takes a special person because you're obviously you're not guaranteed a, an animal. No, you know when you go and do that, and you got to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. I think someone if you're paying that, dropping that kind of money, and if you and uh, if you well, the unique thing is like the people that have that kind of money don't have the time to do the scouting. So it's like you're almost better off just like hiring a guy just to not necessarily guarantee success, but have a higher rate of the success of doing so. Sure, sure. Yeah, I know it makes sense. It definitely makes sense. But, you know, I, I will say for myself, unfortunately, I don't have that kind of money to drop and neither do I and take no, one of those I, tags. So yeah. uh, it, it's one of those things where it's, it's, uh, I like the quote that Randy Newberg always says, it's like, you run out of health before you run out of wealth. And it's like, I've, I've been living that ever since I heard about that a couple or two or three years ago when I started listening to his podcast. And so like everything I do is to try to get me outside more and more often. And so like last year I, I spent probably, I don't know, a good 120 days out fishing. This year for hunting, it just went south for me. I lost my hunting privilege. And so it's oh. like I've had to be uh, e-scouting here and going from there. And like looking through and the worst part was it's like it happened right during the rut. So it's like all that time, if I would have known at the beginning of the seasons, like I would have been able to adjust and then just start focusing on Wisconsin here hunting. So the nice thing is though, it's like we still have a late season doe season here in La Crosse County and Vernon County. There's some, I'm sorry, I'm going to go in. I have Monday off. I'm going to go get myself a tag, finish up the season, and try to hopefully get a dough and put a put some meat <laughs> on the table. There you go. No, good good call. Good call. That is one thing nice about Wisconsin with uh, with the length of the season and the different opportunities that we do have here. It is nice. Um, and there's some people sure. complaining about how cheap the prices are for, for non-residents. Like, you know, I kind of like them that reasonable. You know, it's like it gives an opportunity because like you want to go to Illinois hunt, it's a $400 tag for non-resident. If you want to go to Iowa, that's a lottery. Exactly. So it's like it's almost one of those things where it's like I'd rather homestead in in Iowa and pay the out-of-state fees to hunt in Wisconsin and Minnesota because it's like that's more doable than the other way around. Plus, Iowa tax are cheaper. Your insurance is cheaper. And there's all around. It's like if you if you can find a job where you're remote, where you pay good money, you move to Iowa, it's like I'm going hunting everywhere else because <laughs> it's like Iowa is one of the meccas for um, – uh, for whitetail hunting, but honestly, yes. it's Wisconsin because Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, and Illinois are in the top top six, I think, for whitetail. And it's I like, but, so. it, but all all you see is these shows in Kansas. Yeah, but it's oh, only place so where, true. So yeah. true. And it's like when you watch these shows, it's all about Kansas, 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 Kansas. It's like 
guys are forgetting like Minnesota is a good spot. Wisconsin's a good spot. I or Wisconsin or Illinois is a good spot too. But I, it all comes. It's just like having that lease and having like, well, this property is mine. It just it just kind of focus for all that entertainment right there. It could be comes down to filming pro, uh, permits too because I don't know how much it is to film in Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, because Kansas may be cheaper to film. That's why yeah, they go that, there. That That's one thing I'm I'm not well versed in, so I'm not sure on that. But you you could be exactly right. But, you know, here again, guess what? Let's not let the cat out of the bag. You know, we get enough people hunting in the state already. We don't need to bring any more in. But, you know, yeah. hey, the more the merrier. That is very true. And we, we are literally in the good old times for it, you know. It's like, and luckily for you, it's like you've seen a big enough shift because when did you start hunting? So I actually started hunting. Uh, I remember going out with my father, I guess, 10, 10 years old. So that would have been back in the uh, uh, late 70s. So what has, so can you walk us through the 70s, 80s, 90s to today oh, and geez. what you experienced on how the hunting has improved? Well, it, you know, it's a tough one in a sense for me to call out. But uh, and, and the reason I say that is back then, all we did was hunt on my grandfather's farm. Okay. He had uh, 210 acres in northwestern Wisconsin. And that's where we, that's where we hunted. That's where we gun hunted. That's where we... Uh, uh, bow hunted mm-hmm. uh, and things like that, and you know we had we had it pretty nice back then. Once I went to college mm-hmm. and moved away from there, it kind of all changed for me a little bit. You know, it was a four and a half hour drive back to get home and and stuff, and I wasn't always willing to to do that, so I had to find mm-hmm. other avenues. So that's where I actually started here. And so that would be a, a good 20 years ago, you know, pretty much solely hunting on public land. Okay. And starting to find and, and you know, dig around to find that honey hole on, on some public property around. Mm-hmm. I've spent mm-hmm. a lot of time, you know, exploring different public places within the state of Wisconsin to... uh a lot of it was with archery hunting, bow hunting in my mind, mm-hmm. you know, whenever I would go out and always looking for, you know, where's the best place maybe to put a stand or which way are the deer going to come or, you know, where are they feeding? Where are they bedding? So it, it back in the, I guess that would be in the nineties, I suppose is when it shifted for me to where now I was solely hunting on public land. Um, what really changed things was after college, I moved to Madison, Wisconsin, Okay, uh, down in Dane County. And as most people know, that's down in Dane County down there is where uh, CWD was first uh, discovered in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And not too far from Madison is where the hotbed was where it, where it was first discovered. And prior to that, you know, it was it was nothing to to go out and see. I don't know, ten deer a night for me, just even hunting on public land. Okay. Um, after the whole CWD incident started and the the process that the DNR took everybody through and, and things, it certainly changed to where you know now I'm lucky if if I see one deer a night when I go out and sit. Uh, on the public land that I hunt, but it hasn't deterred me. Um, you know, I guess it's almost made it more of a challenge that I've taken on yeah. to, to be able to discover, you know, where where is that next big buck going to be coming from mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. things. And I hunted a lot of years without ever arrowing a deer. It, it was tough. A lot, of, a lot of people would look at me, you know, my family, Dad, why are you going back out there? You never come home with anything, you know? It's almost like it's our way of unplugging from the world. It's our own mental health. It's like we we want to get away from all the noise. Like I have a friend of mine and what he does is he spends the entire month of August off his cell phone. He just, he, he just spends the time. He's like, he's not like, like looking at like, you know, you normally know, do like looking at apps or Facebook or something like that. He just gets away from all that stuff and just uses the phone 
as a phone, text messaging, and email. That's all he does because he still has to run a business. Sure. But that's all he does. And it's his, it's his way of unplugging and getting away from the, the noise. And that's what we do. That's why I think that's why we have such a cool demeanor for, for us when we come down out of the season. We could have had a, a horrible season, arrowed a big buck, and lost it, but you could still recover from it because you could spend all that time rehabilitating your mind and just getting yourself out of the dumps because you're you're free you're breathing out clean air and you're trying to get out rid of all that negativity it's just it's it's a godsend it's like and we have this this land to work with and public land's been so great now let's i kind of took us off course here but let's bring us back to your elk hunt here so you had the three of you you brian and uh jerry right and jerry jerry okay yep, yep. and so you were out there for a week to you on with your story yeah so we we again we had moved to a new location, spent a couple of days hunting in one area, and in that one afternoon decided, like I said, to to take a look at this meadow way back in. Uh, so we hiked in, got back there, figured out kind of our setup. Um, okay. Again, Jerry was on one side of this, this timbered, uh, I guess, point that was coming out into this meadow. He was on one side, I was on the other. And our friend Brian was set up. He was going to be be the caller. Um, and we probably weren't sitting there more than 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And once you know it, we heard a bull sound off up oh, coming off no that north-facing north slope. If you've never heard that before, it does. And you, you hear it all the time on podcasts and stuff. The, the hair on the back of your neck stands up. You get excited. Mm-hmm. You know, you can almost hardly control yourself. Brian didn't even have to let out a call. We just sat and and listened to him bugle the whole way down the side of the mountain. Okay. We knew he was getting closer. The scary thing was it was getting darker. It, it was getting later uh, in the day. So it was it was getting very close to uh, end of shooting light. Next thing you know, I hear one loud bugle. I look over between the trees and myself, all I could see was bellies and legs. Okay. I couldn't count how many elk there were. Okay, but I, I could see them through the through the timber, and again, bull bugled again, and he's maybe I don't know, maybe a hundred yards from me. Okay, right after he let out that bugle, all of a sudden I hear Brian try to do a couple of cow calls. Okay, and his cow calls unfortunately sounded like. A dead cat, I guess is oh. how I would describe it. And the fact that it sounded like that, I knew something must have happened. And I turned and I looked back at where Brian was sitting. And the next thing you know, he comes jumping out of the pile of brush and takes off running. Okay. So I quick gathered up my stuff and I I, I actually had to cross a little creek and, and kind of swing out and around. And I get over to where I can kind of see Brian and Jerry through the timber and I start yelling, did you, did you shoot one? Did you hit one? And unbeknownst to me, here they are actually standing over the elk. So Jerry had actually taken a shot and dropped the elk almost basically in its tracks. Oh, that's exciting news. Um, and he did have to run up, put another, put another arrow in it to, to finish it off. But it was a, a quick, very quick clean kill mm-hmm. and um the thrill the excitement i bet he was, was, he, was he like this everybody was shaking oh you man. know I, I to be honest with you i think brian and i were probably jumping up and down for joy more than jerry was i think jerry's mind is like it's it's time to go to work well i i think he was still in shock maybe okay because that it actually happened and that he mm-hmm. had arrowed and killed this this nice five by five bull Oh wow! So you it's, know, the, the that's at least there. what eight years old, nine years old. Your guess is as good yeah. as mine. There, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm an been, expert on that. I've been paying attention and trying to learning like the the way they age and stuff like that. And it's like, well, usually if you see anything in the like a 400 class, that that bull is at least over a decade old. Sure, you know, and then sure. it's like, and you see, and you hear, and if it's like a 300 series, it's probably in between that eight to 12. And then if you got something like below 300, it could be from five till because right, they, right. they really don't establish a very large rack until like year three or something like that from rag horns and such. But man, so wh- did it, he have it, having measured then? You know what? I, 
I don't know if he's had it measured or not. Okay. okay. I, I should actually ask, uh, actually ask him about that, but um, it, it was a nice, it was a nice bull. Yeah, was I mean, this it was his big, first biggest one? animal that I had ever seen, you know, like that. Uh, yes, it, it was. He'd, he had never been elk hunting before, either with a rifle or with a bow. So wow, this was he his did first it with a bow, too. That's impressive. That's extremely impressive. So here you got a couple of rookies, year one. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're no spring chickens. No. So, no. You know, here I am, this this 50 year old guy and and jerry's in his uh yeah jerry i think he's 60 61 something like that but um yeah what a what a thrill you know but yeah then the work began then the work began it got dark quick uh but we went to work and you know thank goodness that we had brian there okay uh because he definitely he he's elk hunted before he's shot an elk couple okay. of elk with a rifle. Uh-huh. Um, I think he's even shot one with his bow. Uh, but he kind of walked us through skinning it out, uh, quartering it up. He was a godsend then for you guys. So it, he, a, he really was. He really was. We got lucky to have somebody like him along for the ride. That's for sure. Uh, but it was probably, oh, about 1030 that night by the time we got the elk all quartered up in Mm -hmm. in bags. Mm -hmm. Um, Little did I realize that Brian and Jerry both brought just day packs with them that afternoon. I didn't even, didn't realize that I was the only one with my, uh, with my big pack on. They had no room to carry out anything. So here I threw the tenderloins and and a couple other things in and started hiking out. I, 70, 80 pound pack, I suppose, uh-huh. something like that. But it was 1030 that night by the time we started heading back and we had just a little over a two mile, two mile walk to get back to the car. So we took off, started heading back and we probably got about halfway back, maybe somewhere in there. And Jerry all of a sudden said, guys, I got to stop, you know, and Come to find out, he had been starting to feel a little sick, and his heart condition was kicking in, actually, as we were skinning out this elk. So, okay, one, just the whole excitement and thrill of it, uh, and stuff, and two, just the work of getting up and getting back there, and then mm-hmm. starting to hike out. Uh, so, we actually had to stop, and we laid on the side of the mountain for a good... 45 minutes to an hour, uh, just staring up at the stars. Um, a little nervous, you know, at times. Yeah. Uh, because we didn't know happen. All, what, all that was going to happen. I was more aware of Jerry's condition than Brian was. Oh. So I kind of kind of knew what he would go through and in, in things mm-hmm. uh, at times. But, um, you know, it, it was a little scary. We finally did manage to get Jerry up and, and hike out to the road. Got out to the road. We got back to camp. I think it was one thirty a.m. Mm-hmm. in the morning, and it was nip and tuck. I mean, we we questioned whether we should hit the SOS button on the inReach. Okay. So I I can honestly say that anybody that is going to think about going out and doing a hunt like that, just having the 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 confidence knowing that I've got this device, this Garmin inReach that I can hit a button if I get into a, a really bad situation that somebody's going to be able to come and find me. Uh, if it wasn't for that, I probably would have been a lot more nervous and scared mm-hmm. that night. But, uh, you know, we knew if it got to that, we had that option available to us. And we didn't know what to think at first, and we were pretty close a couple of times to, yeah. God, should we hit that or not? But that night we we tried to get his, get some rest uh, and things. Got up the next morning. The first thing that Brian and I did was look at Jerry and said, you're not going back out there. Sorry, but, you know, we're not going to let you go go back and, and do this, so... We brought him along in the truck, and uh, Brian and I proceeded to 
to hike back in the two miles, get a load. You know, I felt bad for for Jerry. He didn't have the opportunity to to put that nice five by five rack on on his back and carry that out. Oh man, um, th- that was probably one of the hardest things for me mm-hmm. is knowing how how much he wanted to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But then it, it was almost a thrill for me. So I actually had the opportunity to to strap that on my back and and carry it out uh, and stuff. And I I can't tell you how it, it didn't bother me in the least to have to make the two three trips we ended up making back mm-hmm. in Brian and I to pack that bull out of there. Uh, Jerry felt bad. He he wanted in such a bad way to go in and and be a part of that but we knew that it just it it didn't make sense it wasn't safe mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna do the safe thing so that's what happened brian and i hiked in and and we ended up making three three more trips back in so four mile round trip it took us about four hours with each trip okay you know we're up at 9800 feet and mm-hmm. you know umpteen hundred thousand feet whatever of elevation change as you're going in and out and stuff but i wouldn't change it for the world uh, that that's an exciting story that's a very exciting story do you guys have a picture of all three around the bowl uh we do that's we, good we do somewhere uh, um, one of you guys yeah, i want you guys to send because so when we'll i post this on that because so, when i post this episode i want to use that image of all three guys was grinning from ear to ear because I think that's just to understand the story and to see this massive reward come out of it. It's just fantastic. Now, were you, so what ended up happening? Now, what day was this when you harvest the bowl? So, oh, geez. I think we had planned on being out there for 10 days. Okay. And I believe that when he shot the bull was day five. Okay. I think it was. And, um, so one of, one of the things that ended up happening is as Brian and I were spending our time together going back and forth, uh, started having a lot of conversations and, you know, we want to be able to do this again. Okay. Uh, we want to be able to maybe experience other things and it just wasn't worth it to me to, ha- you know, we, we, Believe that Jerry was going to be all right. Yeah. We, we firmly believe that, but, you know, we just weren't sure. To have him stick it out and stay back, back there with us, you know, I still had my tag to fill. And we decided on those walks back and forth, I, I told Brian, I said, you know, I have gotten to experience everything that I could have imagined and everything that I had looked for other than actually pulling that arrow you know, mm-hmm. drawing that bow back and letting that arrow fly. Yeah. I got to experience everything that there is when it comes to elk hunting. And, you know, I told Brian, I, I had to tell Jerry, I said, I, I've, it, it's not as important for me to stay out here and be able to shoot an elk mm-hmm. as it is to make sure that you're okay and that we can come out and do this again another day. That's fantastic. You know, so... We brought it in. We ended up cutting the cutting the trip short by, I guess, three or four days, mm-hmm. um, and drove back to back to Wisconsin and stuff. And I don't regret one bit of it, you know. And, and it probably was the toughest thing for Jerry that he, you know, one of the tougher things that he's probably ever had to do, because um, he, he wanted me to stay, yeah, and be able to have that opportunity, but. What I got to experience just in itself, again, was was over the top. I, I wouldn't give that up for anything. So as you're tagging out this bull and then doing all the paperwork and stuff, was there anything that you had to send in to the DNR in Colorado? Um, you know what? I don't – I want to say that uh, um, Jerry had to fill out a survey that they do. There's a hunter survey that comes out uh, that you send in regarding your hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I didn't get anything 
that I had to fill out. Uh, but uh, I believe Jerry ended up having to do that. Other than that, no, we didn't. Uh, okay, didn't have to do anything out of the ordinary. So now is he going to? Did he decide to do a shoulder mount or just a European? No, he decided to do a shoulder mount. So that was the other thing. That was actually one of the reasons that it ended up taking us three trips is uh-huh. uh, because. Um, that hide is not light. No, no, that, that thing is, that thing is extremely heavy because I've seen images of elk just with covered in snow and it's just all white because it's like the insulation is just fantastic. So that's like, that's going to be heavy because I know a muskox is well over a hundred pounds after you take that, uh, sure. that hide off of there. And, and, uh, it's just amazing that's how warm those blankets are so then did he take the the rest of the hide and turn it into a blanket or anything like that to to use more of the the animals as possible you know i i, I need to check in with him on that one i'm not I, i'll be honest i'm not sure mm-hmm. um we we packed it all out packed the skull and and antlers out and things like that and he was going to get the shoulder mount um but i don't know what he did with the other the other, other part of the uh the hide i do know that oh what probably two weeks after we got back, uh-huh. I get a get a knock on my door and and here's Jerry and his wife and they had two coolers full of about a hundred pounds of elk meat oh. that he dropped off and that's exciting. And I I got to fill my freezer full of that, so couldn't be more grateful. Um, that is probably some of the best meat that I've had you know, from, from a wild game standpoint, it, it's incredible. It has really good meat. El- elk is, you got to try it to explain it. We can sit here and talk about it because I've had elk, you've had elk, and it's yep. like, I, I can't describe it. It just happens because it's, it's not beef and you, you can't relate it to venison. It, it's, it's its own. You got to try it. You got to try it. it. The nice thing is there's, there's plenty of way, plenty of opportunities for wild game feeds. I know here in Wisconsin and Iowa, like there's gonna be a lot of places that these are, uh, wild game fees are going to be going up because it's like they do oh, yeah. these for donations because you can't sell the meat and then they yeah. have to abide by the laws of doing them. But it's all goes to donations for some charity. Like I went to Harper's Ferry last year and they had sure. wild boar yeah. and bear and uh, turkey or I heard some inter- or the deer and that was just delicious. I took my little one there and she just had a heyday eating everything all up and she won a couple of prizes and it was That's packed. Awesome. It was packed. And we went there at three o'clock in the afternoon. And it was just, just because it was so big that they had, they had one, they had three of their garages because it's right, it's they do it right there at the right, fire, right, yep. And they everywhere, it's just like it's just absolutely massive. It was the 25th anniversary as well. I had a blast doing it. It was, it was well worth the drive, and it's pretty, it's really pretty in the spring. Now, uh, so what's coming up this fall? Do you have anything on the books yet? So we don't officially. It was kind of interesting on our on our drive back. You know, we talked about we we definitely got to do this elk hunt thing again. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a couple other things that you know neither of us have tried. Granted, I I went to South Dakota and did the spot and stock with the mule deer, uh-huh. but both Jerry and I talked about how cool would it be to uh, do a high country spot and stock, you know, mule deer hunt or you know, what about uh, actually trying to do a spot and stalk antelope hunt out in Wyoming? Um, that would be fun. Get a, get out and experience some of the different things that are available to us. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's probably nothing that'll compare to an archery elk hunt. I mean, I'd, I'll be the first to admit it. It's just there. there's something special about that. Uh you know, that I don't think you're going to experience with any other type of, of hunt, but I don't want to limit myself either. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, there's just too many other opportunities, um, too many other places to explore and different types of environments, you know, to explore. What states have you traveled to thus far? Um, myself, sit here trying to think about that you know really from a hunting standpoint it's just been colorado south dakota minnesota and wisconsin okay from a hunting perspective but uh i've been to montana been out to california um flying or driving these these trips out um, there um california was driving 
or I'm sorry, was flying. Uh, but everywhere else I've uh, driven to, you know, mm-hmm. so I've driven out to say Pennsylvania, all along the the East Coast, down through the Carolinas, Virginia, uh, Florida, Alabama, you know, and all those places too. They they've got opportunities from a hunting perspective and hunting mm-hmm. standpoint that you know I'd love to get out and explore some of that stuff and experience the different types of of hunting opportunities and and you know and not just set my sights on one one particular thing mm-hmm. even though yeah i would love to elk hunt every year after after this past year i i could see myself doing that every year but again i also want to experience those other other things oh i can understand that too it's like i've back in 2008 when the, the economy went belly up I was living in Phoenix in the Southwest, and that just got hit the heart one of the hardest areas there. So I lost everything. I ended up having to go into hitchhiking oh, throughout geez. the the Midwest, the out, out the West there. And so I pretty much did the highway tour that Roosevelt did in 1912, where it's like something like 8,000 sure, miles. Sure. My trip was like a little over 9,000. But I started in Arizona in July, and I made my way up there, and I got to see some of the beautiful, most beautiful country out there going up to the Bighorn and walking around the Bighorn for, for a couple of days and oh. making my way into to, uh, Coeur d'Alene there in Idaho. And that's just, I'd never experienced that when, you, when you're driving through on 90 and you look up, and that, that's all Coeur d'Alene. It's like, it is a beautiful area there. And then... Um, Wyoming was probably my favorite because I, I, I zigzagged through that state. Sure. And sure. so I went down through Thermopolis, and that's where they found a lot of the dinosaurs that we have today all in that area. Right. right there, like a lot of dead dinosaurs in through that area. And so I can just, I have pictures in the whole nine. They have, they have uh, the world's largest um, sulfuric spring there too. And so I can see it's a good place to go and hang out. Like it's almost like a fountain of youth. Is how how I describe setting it because <laughs> I actually got to sit down in one of those fountains and it's. It's, I can see why people keep going back there. It does something to, to your, your soul, body. man. Oh, your yeah. Body, your soul and, and things like that. That's for sure. And seeing all, all of that, that landscape. And it's like, I just want people just to do as much as they possibly can to travel. It's like, I have a younger brother of mine and he's not doing anything with his life right now. It's like, I want him to go and travel and go see all this fun stuff. Cause it's like, you, you don't sure. have kids, you don't have college debt, go out there and travel and experience it. Like you don't have to hunt or fish, but Go out there and check all this stuff out because you'll, you'll, you may never have this opportunity again. Take advantage of it. You will yeah. not regret it. That's for sure. And life's too short. Oh, yes, life, it is. Life's way too short. We got 100 years if you're lucky, and it's like you got to make the most of it. And it's like, and if you learn not to get in the rat race earlier where it's like you, you use the world as your canvas, it's like the sky's the limit. You just got to worry about the, the treacherous areas. So sure, but, sure. Uh, you know, I like I like doing going out and traveling. Uh, it's I have some friends of mine. Uh, it's like being doing this. It's like I've established friends all across the, the country now. So it's like I'm I just sure. want to have an opportunity to be able to go someplace and not have to pay a guide and like have that one on one experience. And so far now it's just accumulating the the PTO and the funds to go do it. So that's those are the only two go. things. So it's like I'm, I've conquered a lot of these goals that I've set out. And I didn't realize that I've I've cap, um, capitalized on all these over the years. Like last year, last two years, about in Florida and hit the spawn out there for bass fishing, and oh. that's a lot of fun in itself. You hit you start from sunup to about eleven o'clock, and I have a friend of mine, Paul. It's like I'm going to have him on the podcast one day, but this guy knows he's a very big historian buff, and he can just talk circles around anybody <laughs> even but, you joe oh yes even oh, me but on. he has got so much knowledge and it's like you listen to him and it's like he he just loves history but he put he put me on some bass when we were out there we caught i don't know 20 30 bass and they, they weren't small ones these, these sure, were sure. large large mouth on average of five pounds a piece and it's just fantastic just going through and then it's like and then get all these little uh alligators and crocodiles going through the area there it's like that was fun then going That's out awesome. and, uh fishing out in uh uh, Arizona. I lived in Arizona for almost about a decade, but I never really took advantage of hunting. And okay. so it's like, and, and it, I'm kind of regretting it now, but it's like, you know, it's like hindsight's only 2020. 20. It's like, yeah. and it's like, exactly. I didn't find my true passion until about five years ago. So now we're just kind of organizing my time to maximize it all. Well, and that's where, you know, I, I guess I could say I regret it. Um, you know, ha- having growing up, in the outdoors, hunting and fishing really, truly my entire life. Unfortunately, you know, for 40 
eight years of that life was just doing it here in my own state of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'll be honest, I always thought that there's no way that I can, one, I couldn't afford it or, you know, how would I do this? How would I do that? And, and things. And, you know, sometimes you just got to say what the heck and, yeah. and do it. But also the give and take, cause like we have very kids true, very and you true. have a wife. And that's the biggest thing because a trip may only cost Very you two true. or three grand, but you tack on the wife's tax and that could be two to three thousand more on top of that. I got lucky. My wife loves to hunt and fish. I mean, got her own bow. The only thing we're missing right now is her own rifle. And so when we go out, it's like we, 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 we think about like how are we going to put a hunt in this or a fish into this and stuff like that. And that's what we do. And it's like we're on the same page because we get competitive, especially when it comes <laughs> to fishing because like, and, and, uh, she gets a kick out of it because it'll be my dad, my her, myself, and and her, and just the amount of shit him and I give each other back and <laughs> forth is just fantastic. And like we got a fishing trip coming up in May, we're gonna go out to Okaboji, and I have an I have a standing invitation if anybody else wants to come out there because what it is Ooh. is a group of guys, of uh, fifteen guys, have been doing it for almost fifteen years. Wow! They dedicate two weekends out of the year. And they go out to Lake Okaboji out of season, and they just go fishing. And the like. May trip is during uh, right during uh, Mother's Day, and that's one where it's like mostly just getting together, bullshit and drinking. And then when we do October's, that's like that's Some meat. Serious, yeah, serious, fishing. serious fishing. We caught so much fish in October, man, it was ridiculous. Uh, we we threw away. I I can't tell you how many fish I threw away. We were catching pike, walleyes, uh, bass, white yellow bass. I mean, it was perch, crappies. Sure. We were pulling crappies as big as my hand out. It's like I couldn't believe it. <laughs> And it was like 35 mile a wind gust out there. Oh, it's like when you're yeah. on that big lake, it's just something else. But it's like, I, I, I want people when they listen to these episodes, it's like find a group of friends and do this. Establish a tradition because it's like, and then bring in the younger bucks, you know, bring them in at 16, exactly. 17, 18. If they're in college, you try to put that peer pressure as much as possible to get them to come on out because it's like, it, it generates those memories. Because it's like... The only thing you take with you to the nursing home is memories. So it's like you might as well have a lot of them. <laughs> very true. Very true. You know, you just brought a perfect segue, pulling it back into what we started this podcast talking about in Brian's Hunter Fitness class. Okay. And finding a group of people, like-minded people that enjoy a lot of the same things mm-hmm. that, that you do in being able to go out and spend quality time with with those people and enjoy that stuff uh that's really you know again bringing this all back around that's really what brian's trying to accomplish with mm-hmm. beast mode archery challenge is bringing like-minded people together form a community that for you know form friendships and and things that are going to last a lifetime as well as, you know, trying to introduce new people to to the sport, introduce mm-hmm. new people to the outdoors. Oh, and guess what? By the way, hey, let's throw in a little fitness activity into it. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you talk about, hey, the older we get and, and we start slowing down, you know, here I am at, at 50 years old and I probably feel better than I ever felt in my entire life. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like I've got, 20, 30 more years of being able to go and, and hike around in, in the outdoors and spend time doing these things that we love. And I guess that, that was probably the message that, that I wanted to get out there when I came to you about doing this podcast, mm-hmm. Jeff, is, is that, you know, you don't have to be this star athlete. You don't have to be the fittest person in the world you just have to have a passion and love for, you know, getting out, experiencing new things, making friends. Um, you know, if you if you love to shoot your bow and, and hang out with just some super great people, uh-huh. you can't ask for a better event oh, yeah. uh, than, than what Brian has taken and thrown together. So, um, you know... Kind of, kind of taking and pulling us back yeah. around here a little bit into I'm ex- what we started with, and um, I can't be more thrilled to have the ability to to help Brian the way that I, I guess I have, mm-hmm. um, to to 
promote and put on these events uh, and stuff. I, I just have a real passion for it, real belief in in what it can do for a person because it 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 did it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it brought me back from. It probably was definitely wasn't the best time in my life. You know, just a few years ago, uh, probably heading down the wrong path. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not not bad, terrible things, but um, you knew you had to make a change in your diet to uh, be there for your kids and your exactly, wife and such. Exactly, exactly. It came down to the family, the the wife, mm-hmm. the kids. You know, I wanted wanted to make sure that I can get out and enjoy the things that that they like to do and that that we can do it as a family and and uh that my body is is well enough to to do that for you know years to come mm-hmm. and plus you're an inspiration to somebody in your life that that's like hey i went on did this at at 49 years old and it's like you can do the exact same thing and you're 20 years younger than i am yep exactly and i am com- have been extremely grateful for brian inter- like reaching out to me back last april or may and then we just like kept on having him on the podcast and he brings in some of the most listeners out there it's like it's just people like listening to his 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 um his voice and his his attitude about everything it's like it's just very positive and that's what this thing is is like when i was out there at the train to hunt event at tyrell basin i just had a blast there i mean it camped out there i did interviews with several people it was very eye-opening and everybody was very welcoming and that's what his goal was and one of his bigger goals and it was accomplished oh i couldn't agree more couldn't agree more and it is true that's that's what it's all about so we have tomorrow's indoor challenge and then you said you wrote down a couple of dates yeah what's the next date so we've got tomorrow here at lacrosse uh on february 8th we're at papa's trading post in arena that's another indoor event um and then on february 29th we'll be at whale tails archery Mm-hmm. That's in Dousman. And then the final indoor event will be March 21st, and that'll be at the Vortex Optics headquarters in Barneveld. Some great facilities. We we did Papa's last year. We did mm-hmm. Vortex last year. Had great turnouts. Uh, Whale Tails is a new one for Brian this year. We're expecting a, a great turnout there. Uh, so it, it's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, at least hopefully the next ones won't be as as stressful as today was. Because I mean, I've been watching the storm, and I was like, I was hoping like you guys could left like at eleven o'clock this morning. So this way you've been over here away from the storm. But you guys pulled it through though. It's like Brian was a trooper coming up fourteen and getting here. And it's like, and he's not on the podcast because he's exhausted, which I completely understand. Yep, exactly. I I don't blame him. He's he's oversacked out in his room. Uh-huh. where uh, we probably all should be. But yeah, you're right. You know, unfortunately, some of us have to uh, to work and, you know, can't quite get the, the time off that we'd like mm-hmm. or be able to leave as quickly as we can. But we took our time. Yes. And, and we made it. We made it safe. But yeah, I guess I, I posted a little video of the snowstorm as we were driving up and, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, it's got to be only a beast that would come out in this kind of weather to travel this far. So. Oh, that is so true. At least you know, at least everything you, when you're driving, you don't have to worry about anything running across the road there and hitting something. Yep. No, very, very true. And it, it was a smart choice to come the way that we did. Mm-hmm. I just, I have a feeling that the interstate would have been, been a mess. You know, I am, haven't checked social media or any news outlets yet to see what kind of destruction this storm has done because like we looked before we started the podcast we looked at the radar and this stretches from middle of canada all the way down to texas this is a massive storm now i think my biggest thing of fear is that it's it's we've we're we're, should be done right now and it is 11 30 in the morning 11 30 at night here and then it's suddenly it's going to turn and i'm hoping it doesn't cyclone around and hit us again but we'll see We'll we'll wait and see. We'll keep our fingers crossed. So, is there anything else that you want to leave with the audience? You know, I guess the biggest thing is, you know, come out and have some fun. Come out and enjoy these these types of events. Um, you're you're definitely not going to regret it. You don't have to be that star athlete. You don't have to be in tremendous shape. 
you know, come out and see what you're made of. Have mm-hmm. have some fun. I, I can guarantee you that you will have, even if you're the slowest competitor out there, every single person that's uh, competing that day will be be behind you and and cheering you on. They they want to see you do your best and and you know finish what you can. Oh yes, a hundred percent and stuff. So it 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 is. It's just about having fun um, out there. Uh, with that, you know, that's pretty much it with that. Otherwise, it's, you know, hey, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity yeah, to, not to come a problem. on and, and I, chat with you, Jeff. Brian has been really excited about having you just talk about your story, and I am blessed to listen to it all, and talked about Jerry and how he overcame his, his uh, heart and just went and did it and survived and has a wonderful story to tell and then uh i gave you some coffee early tonight at the rpg coffee yeah give it a shot now what we're doing here at bucks of america podcast is that when you go to our website our affiliate link and anything you purchase we're donating all of our profit from all of our all of our fees from that or all of our our commission whatever you want to call it we're donating all that to australia for the help to fight the fire oh, out there. Yeah. I didn't know that's, that. That's, that's that's awesome. That's that's, that's something where this is the first episode that we're doing this on and every episode in front of that we're because we need to fight that and they like and they've already arrested like twenty some people that are that it's are unreal accountable what's for it. Down there. And it's like and their whole entire ecosystem is gonna be messed up yep, and it's like yep. it's but anyways, folks. Anyways, there thank you, you, John, for for um, being on board here. We're gonna have you on again, of course. So, you guys have. Thank you for listening. Please go out and rate and review us. You can find us on iTunes and any other popular podcast site. <laughs>